0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good
1: evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. It is November 16th and Christmas is right around the corner. And you're
2: doing so great with those dates. I wrote
1: it down again. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I usually, because I'm I'm usually foggy around this time because of Toys for Tots, but fortunately enough, or sadly enough, um, with this COVID stuff that we're dealing with, um, it's been a kind of different year. Um, But, you know, we're making it through it, and we'll be able to get the kids their toys and uh Everything will be everything, and sooner or later, it'll be December 26th.
2: Yeah, not too long.
1: And as you can see, Ellen is not in the studio with me today. She's up in the lovely hills of North Carolina. Has it snowed there?
2: No, it has not snowed yet, but I apparently brought the cold weather with me, so it's going down in the 20s tomorrow. What? Yeah.
1: How long are you there for? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, gotta love it.
2: Well, family's everything.
1: No, no, family first. first Always good to be around them. Yeah, family first, first and foremost. Well, let's get to it. Judy Miller was a highly successful CPA and corporate finance executive who, unknown to her coworkers, lived in terror of the night and the possibility of sexual assault. Happily married with children Her fears made life a modern day nightmare, but worse, she had no idea why. There was nothing in her own personal background that would warrant the near constant state of fear. In her new book, Perfect, a path to love, forgiveness, and transformation, she relates the extraordinary path she took to discover the root of those fears. It's an amazing journey that Judy was guided to take that brought the exact right people together, the exact right order, for the right and wrong committed decades ago, I read that wrong, before the before her birth, which left the shadow on her soul. That sounds very interesting. Today, you'll hear from her about the spiritual journey that unfolded, which opened her heart enabled forgiveness across multiple generations, and showed her the perfection of all that we are. Welcome to the show, Judy Miller. Hi, how are you? It's great to be here, Ray and Ellen. Thank you. It's great to have you. Now, that that was was a mouthful. So (laughs) first and foremost, can you share a little bit about who you are and what brought you to the writing of this book? Sure, I'd love to
3: so ray and ellen have you ever felt different incomplete or maybe even unworthy
2: definitely
3: and the reason i ask you these questions and your listeners these questions is because these feelings have literally plagued me for most of my life i was actually born in trinidad which is an island in the caribbean and i moved to the u.s when i was very young And I didn't look like other people in my neighborhood. This is not about race. This is not about discrimination. I just didn't look like other people. I was also born with 11 fingers, and I had this unexplainable terror of the night. And as you mentioned in the introduction, I started my career as a CPA, had a very traditional lifestyle, very traditional job, but I never felt like I was anybody. I always felt like I was nothing. But what I learned on this journey was that in the nothingness, I could actually be anything that I wanted. And what I mean by that is, when we drop our stories, our labels, and our judgments, we could truly emerge as our true and authentic self. And when I looked out into the world and saw so many other people carrying the stories that I did, I just really felt compelled to share my story with others.
2: Hmm. Have you gotten a really good reception for the book? I read it, and, and you know, when you started out talking about the experience that you had in church, you know, where you you felt this you know, something special happened to you. It really spoke to me because I've always, I guess, envied people who have been able to find that
3: You know, that's interesting because a lot of my story sounds like a near-death experience, but I wasn't dying. I was literally dying with my eyes wide open. And Ellen, as you mentioned, a lot of my story actually starts on Good Friday. I was actually sitting in church, minding my own business, waiting for mass to start. My kids were probably texting on their phones next to me. And then out of nowhere, this overwhelming sense of love literally descended upon me. And I can't even begin to describe it. It was every sensation of love that you could possibly imagine multiplied a million times, literally coursing through my body. And the reason that I really wanted to share that with people is because so many of us feel unworthy, incomplete, not enough. But if we knew how much we were loved, we would never doubt ourselves again.
1: So let's go into that just real quick about the unworthiness and the um, feeling incomplete the majority of our 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 audience we have a vast array but a lot of the people in our audience um deal with either their families of or active addicts and alcoholics um and we know that 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 disease ultimately buries you in worthlessness and um, all of the other lesser than Qualities that we would that we probably should embrace um, how in your how in your book do you think that reading like say somebody who has it has a um, who's an active addict or an alcoholic how can they be able to pull something out of your book to feel worthy again
3: mm-hmm. And and that's an interesting question so you know when you introduced um, the book the subtitle to the book is a path to love forgiveness and transformation mm-hmm But what does forgiveness actually mean? There's so many different definitions of forgiveness, but for me, it's really, really simple. It means to forego or to let go of. So in your response to your question, I believe everybody is going to have either painful and wanted experience in their lives, Right? We could either experience that event once, or we could literally play it over and over again until it becomes stuck, it becomes our identity. So forgiveness for me is really just letting go of those contracted negative stories that no longer serve us so mm-hmm. we can move forward and experience true and ultimate freedom. So it's important to know that forgiveness is really not condoning the actions of another. It's really just letting go of those contracted stories so we can move forward. Um, so I'm not an expert on addiction, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming that sometimes those feelings that people have, all of us have, of unworthiness or feeling different or incomplete, it's often the stories that we tell ourselves. And what I have found on this journey is that our stories are not always true. So a lot of my stories is about, a lot of my story perfect is about letting go of those contracted energies. And, and Ray and Ellen, I would love to give your readers kind of just a general overview of the story. Please
1: do. Please to see do.
3: how everything fits together. So like a lot of children, I had fears. I was afraid of drowning, but I was also terrified of the dark. And I couldn't understand why. I always felt like there was a presence, an energy around me, and I didn't know if it was there to help me or to harm me. So literally, every night as a child, I would crawl into bed, pull the covers over my head, and I would recite the Lord's Prayer over and over again Mm. until exhausted, I would fall asleep. And this was my ritual night after night. It continued well into my 20s. As you mentioned, I started my career as a CPA. So here I am going to work during the day in this very traditional you know, profession and then coming back home at night, terrified of what I couldn't explain. Then I met my husband at work. We got married. We had two kids. And in the exhaustion of raising two incredible children, commuting three hours a day to work and working 40 to 50 hours a week, in that exhaustion, everything stopped. The terror stopped. But my kids grew up and went off to college and the house became silent. And in that silence, the terror returned. The Mm. fear of someone or something standing behind me, I literally would, I would literally tiptoe around my house. And I must have looked comical to the neighbors because I was always afraid of what I would encounter or who I would encounter. At the same time, I actually started to bleed uncontrollably month after month, and my doctor said that I needed to get a hysterectomy. And I was actually terrified of the surgery. So after becoming a CPA, I went to work in the healthcare industry for over 20 years, so I trust modern medicine. But I was terrified of the surgery, and it felt like the same terror that I had as a child and the same terror that returned to me as an adult. So a very good friend of mine recommended that I read a book called Light Emerging, It's written by Barbara Brennan. Barbara was a former NASA physicist, and she actually studied the human energy field. And what she learned, she was actually able to heal people. So literally days before my surgery, I was Googling healers near me. And as I sat across from my healer for that very first time, I literally felt like my entire life was locking into place. It was finally starting to make sense. And at the time, I didn't know the role that that healer actually played in my family's history. So my healer helped me heal after the surgery, and then we started to explore this unexplainable terror of the night. Hmm. So we looked at my childhood experiences to see if anything that actually elicited it, but nothing came to mind. And then we started to talk about my parents. We know that from our parents, we can inherit so many things. From our DNA, we can inherit the color of our hair, the color of our eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, and so many other physical characteristics. But the science of epigenetics actually tells us that we could actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents. Oh, wow. They've actually shown with Holocaust survivors that their children and their grandchildren had the same pain and fear in their own bodies. And recently, um, science have done, scientists have done a couple of experiments with mice. They introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to the mice and then zapped the mice on the feet. So Ray and Ellen, as you can imagine, after a while, just the scent of cherry blossoms would trigger that same fear Mm -hmm. in the mice. Right. Of course. Right. But what was amazing was the (laughs) mice's children and their grandchildren had the same fear in their body. When the scientists introduced the smell of cherry blossoms, it would trigger the same fear, even though these children and grandchildren had never been zapped and they had never been exposed to the father that was zapped. So, what we learned on this journey was that pain and that terror of the night that I felt each night as a child and as an adult wasn't actually my own. It was actually a cellular memory from my mother. So, they also say that female babies are born with two to three million of their reproductive eggs at birth. So, for much of your mother's childhood, young adult, you were actually in her body as an unborn cell. So, an On a cellular level, you actually experienced a lot of the triumphs as well as the traumas that your mother went through. So I uncovered and learned that where this trauma came from. I never knew that my mom was actually attacked as a child, and this was the fear that I felt each night. But my story doesn't end there, and I won't give away the ending, but there's actually a shocking connection to the very healer I trusted to heal me.
2: I read your, read your book, so <laughs> I'm, I'm very fascinated to actually hear you tell the story. But one of the things that you said just triggered something in my mind. We always say that addiction is an inherited disease, yeah. a family disease. And what you just talked about with the epigenetics could um, explain that yeah, in a lot so of is. ways. Absolutely, In a lot of ways. Because there are also people who are like, no, 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 it's not. It's a choice. It's this. It's mm-hmm. that. But you see it going through families over and over and over. You know, I mean, the, there's the always the, a family history yeah. of it. It's very rare that you have you know, perfect families on both sides yes. for generations, and then somebody becomes an addict. It doesn't happen.
1: And you know, the uh, the more people that we speak to, and the more conversations we have. Um, one, the more my mind gets blown, but um, the more it makes sense genetically that, you know, when, when you just laid that out, I mean, we are our parents, we came from our parents and, and you know, um, we are our parents DNA. And, of course, what they carry, we, we we carry as well. And we hand that on and on and on. And we've spoken to other people, and they haven't broken it down like that. But, you know, they they do say that, you know, the first three years are your learning years, and that's when you're a sponge and, and all of that stuff. But I'm wondering if with that epigenetics, if that was never something that was... Um, introduced to you like maybe something triggered that like on tv or something like that that put that memory of hers into you i i, I don't know so
3: i'm not quite sure that i understand the question but <laughs>
1: i'm not <laughs> sure if i even said it right. no i think yeah. it's
3: more i think she's saying it's more on a cellular
1: cellular yeah, but, but what i'm what i'm asking i guess what i'm asking at that point is on a cellular level mm-hmm. um if Something had to wake that up inside of you. So, cellularly.
3: so under, totally understand what you're saying. So as far back as I could remember, I've always had this terror of the dark and mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why. I literally always felt that somebody was going to attack me. And I didn't know where this fear was coming from. I had never been attacked, and I would never been exposed to anybody who had been attacked. It was actually only right before my book came out that I uncovered that my mother actually wasn't attacked as a child. Hmm. So these these memories that weren't mine made absolutely no sense. Hmm.
2: Yeah. That that that. That's so you a- had this what people would call an irrational fear. Only it really yeah. wasn't because it was a real fear. It just wasn't something that actually. Physically happened to you.
3: Exactly, it happened
2: to your mother. Mm-hmm. And it, but and she's it cel- in a cellular manner passed that along to you, yeah. so that you have this fear. But you don't know where it's coming from. It's it's you know people are going to look at you and go what you know you've got yeah. a great life why are you afraid?
1: And that has that has to be a heavy burden not knowing not knowing why mm-hmm. you know what I mean waking up waking up with the fear and not and having nothing consciously generating it Mm -hmm. you
3: know and it's interesting you know some indigenous cultures native american cultures say that when we heal we actually heal seven generations back and seven generations forward so there's always an opportunity to heal ourselves as well as those that come before us and those that go after us
2: is it only through the mother though can it be through the father
3: It's probably, it's probably, I'm assuming that it's also through the father as well. You know, with the experiments with the mice, it was actually the father who was being zapped and the children still carry the pain and the terror in their bodies as well.
1: That's so crazy. Yeah. You know, that, that, we're we're that, we're that cellularly delicate, I guess you could say that we are, you know, that I, I. I don't know. That's just that's just something that uh, maybe I need to chew on through the commercial. We got about a minute, so um, you know, it's it's well, it, it makes it, it,
2: it, but it makes sense because you know, it explains it the inexplicable.
1: Yeah, no, it it does make sense, and it's it's always great to be able to hear someone else's journey, you know, because like there, when when I when I got clean, you know, from from drugs and alcohol, uh, February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. <laughs> I set myself on a path of um, my own personal understanding, right, wrong, or indifferent. That was my path of understanding. And I'm learning along the way as I go, as the years unfold, that what I ultimately thought really wasn't one, healthy for me, two, beneficial to me, or three, um, beneficial to anyone else. You know, so, if you're listening and you have questions, please, by means, call 866-472-5792. You can ask Judy any questions you want. You can have any comment that you want. This is your show. And we will be back on the Miracles and Recovery radio show in a moment.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live, wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C-diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C-diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C-diff infection prevention, treatments, clinical trials, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. If you or somebody you love is dealing with an addiction to alcohol or drugs, you may be looking for all kinds of answers. Let Recovery Radio with host Zach Crouch be your guide. Zach Crouch will speak with experts and share personal stories of addiction recovery. You'll also learn what's beyond the surface of mental health, root causes of addiction, and more. Most importantly, we'll explore the solutions and treatments to get you back on track. Recovery Radio. New episodes are available every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to one 472 5792 That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show.
1: And we're back with Judy Miller, our guest, the author of the book, Perfect, And she's blown my mind in the first segment. So um, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you could, for our audience, uh, how they can find the book, how they can find you online, everything and anything that you have in social media, you can share with our audience.
3: Sure. I'd love to. So my website is actually Judy, J-U-D-I Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R.net. So you could actually buy my book there. It takes you straight to Amazon. And the reason I suggest you go there is because with the launch of the book, five of my favorite mentors have actually contributed five free gifts. Um, many of them are actually on the Transformational Leadership Council. so I, w- I I recommend that if you're gonna buy the book, definitely take advantage of the freebies. And because <laughs> I like free things on my website, yeah. I actually also have my free ebook called Awaken the Creator Within. So no charge, just absolutely free for your listeners. All my social media handles are there. my blog is there as well.
1: How many books have you written? This is
3: my first, and then I also have an ebook.
1: Okay. And, and what does the ebook consist of?
3: So, Awaken the Creator Within. It's really to ignite the inner, um, your inner soul that lives within all of us, the higher self. And it's just eight simple exercises to really connect with your inner self.
0: Hmm.
3: Neat.
2: And you spent a lot of time in the book talking about healing and and ways to do that, mm-hmm. you know, with a lot of inner work. Can you go
3: into that a little bit? Sure. So, there's, you know, the book is actually broken up into three parts. And I know, Ellen, that you had the opportunity to read it. So, 80% of the book is actually written like a novel. So, you want to actually get through the book and see how it ends. And then there's a handful of pages, which I call reflections, to help people understand what are some of the key lessons. And then there's some very, very simple exercises. And I purposely made them simple because I know how crazy life can get. And those simple exercises help you embody the lessons into your own life as well. So there's a variety of different things. So for me, part of my healing was actually ancestral healing. I studied with John Newton. John Newton is one of my mentors. But basically, like we talked, we could actually inherit traumas in our bodies and things that we can't even explain, perhaps addictions, as you mentioned. So part of it is where do you actually feel that in your body? So many people actually experience their lives in their head, in their minds, and our stories and our minds are not actually always true, but the body tells the truth. So when something happens, if you feel a contraction around something, where do you feel it in your body? For me, when people said hurtful things, it felt like an elephant that sat on my chest and I couldn't breathe, right? So that's where I feel feel those sensations in my body. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. And she was actually able to heal herself from traumatic brain injury. But what she said is that when events happen in life, either good or bad, it literally only takes 90 seconds to process that event in our physiology and then let it go. But most of us actually don't let it go. We either stuff it away, create a story. It could be an empowering story or it could be a disempowering story. So part of the ancestral healing is to truly feel where do you feel it in your body? And as you breathe into that sensation, an image or memory will often come to you. And perhaps you don't even know where this memory is coming from. It actually sometimes may feel like you're making it up. It could be from when you were a young child. It could be from when you were in the womb. It could actually be a cellular memory from one of your parents, right? And a flash memory will come to you. And in that memory, what was stressful and what were you saying to yourself? So for me, When I did this, the words that came to me was, why are you here? And those were the very exact words that my mother was saying to her attacker. So I didn't even know this when I was being healed. Hmm. So it's doing several things. Number one, it's acknowledging the sensations in our body, which many of us don't do. It's giving us that younger version of ourselves or even the cellular memory of ourselves. Finally, a voice. And then the third part is forgiveness. A forgiveness prayer forgiveness recipe that john has taught me and it's actually in the book and it's available on his website for free it's called health beyond belief and uh, just a small portion of it is um please help us all forgive each other forgive ourselves forgive all people and all people forgive us completely and totally please and thank you so it's a much longer prayer but the magic of this ray you were talking about before you don't actually need to know where that pain and that trauma in your body is coming from. It could be in this lifetime, something you've experienced, or it could, it could be your ancestors that went before you. But in this simple process, you actually let go of those stories and those contractions. And that's how I was actually able to heal. So that's just one way actually listed in the story. There's other ways as well.
2: I had an experience similar to that. I, um, I, was, I watched an Oprah show. And they had somebody, a lady who does that type of healing. And one of the exercises was, like you said, to try to feel where the pain is in your body. Mm -hmm. And my particular um, pain point was my daughter was in jail. And I was heartbroken. You know, it was was horrible. And so I I did. I sat down and I felt where it was. And it was also in my chest. Mm Mm-hmm. But the other thing that came to me is the reason I'm feeling so much pain is I feel like she's deserted me Mm -hmm. because in that, at that point in time, she had, you know, she, the drug had taken her Mm -hmm. and, and other things were, you know, were more important than me. And, Mm -hmm. and just having that revelation was helpful.
3: So I kind of <laughs> see where you're coming from, Ellen. That's a, a great, great story. And you know, oftentimes that event with your daughter triggered that feeling. But oftentimes that feeling of being deserted actually came from another lifetime or you know another experience, not just this one. So it's actually interesting.
2: It, it we, is very interesting. I mean, I had, I had a very loving family growing up. So it, you know, it wasn't from my. Mm-hmm. from anybody that i know obviously could be generations before yeah but but feeling that pain and and understanding what the true feeling behind it is it was it was it made me feel better in the moment mm-hmm. you know i mean things things continue to get bad for a long time but but it was helpful for me just
1: to understand that i felt like she'd left me yeah so so with everything so, so with that, how do you, how do you change that, that pattern of thought? Like, how do you change that tape?
3: So there's actually a variety of different exercises in the book. And mm-hmm. when I explain it to people, I like to use an acronym called NEST. And the N stands for to notice, Right. So it's to notice or become aware of your stories. So we have 60,000 thoughts a day. 95% of them are the same ones we had yesterday and the day before, and 80% of them are negative. As humans, we're actually hardwired to notice and remember the negative aspects of a situation. And the reason was is because when we were hunting and gathering for food, um, it was important for our survival that we notice what could potentially be dangerous, but we no longer live in that reality. So, we have to change. We have to train our mind to focus on other things. So, focusing on things to be grateful for, focusing on loving things, empowering things is so important. So, whenever you start to have that negative thought, just flick it off. Don't let it take root or replace it with something more empowering. The other one is to, tr- the other letter is E nest, to truly experience our emotions in our bodies. And we talked about this before. So many of us actually don't process our emotions in our bodies. And we know societal um, from society, boys are often told, don't cry. Girls are often told, big girls don't cry, right? So we actually don't process our emotions in our bodies. So I invite people, take the 90 seconds when something happens and truly feel the emotions in your body. And then the S stands for scratch the record. I learned this from Tony Robbins years and years ago. But we keep playing those same stories, Ray, that you mentioned over mm-hmm. and over again, like a groove on a record player. So we need to scratch that groove so we can't play the same stories over and over again. And just some really quick ways to do that is you can say, cancel, 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 Claire. As soon as you start to have that negative thought, again, flick it off before it takes root. Also, a lot of people have rubber bands on their wrists. and. Uh-huh. You-
2: <laughs> I've heard that yeah. one.
3: <laughs> and yeah. I think the reason is is because it gets you out of your mind and back into your body. And then the last one is really what I learned from Tony. I call it zany crazy thing. And I went to one of his seminars probably 20 or 30 years ago, and this woman was talking to Tony complaining about her husband, and Tony picked up a glass of water and s- <laughs> threw it in the woman's face. And she was so flabbergasted, but she knew that Tony was doing it from a loving supportive place. So she wiped off her face. She started to tell her story again. And about five minutes in, she started to complain about her husband again. And guess what Tony did? He picked Mm. up the glass of water, threw it in the woman's face. And again, he was doing it from a loving space. He was trying to be of service. But what the woman realized is that she didn't realize that she was complaining so much. It helped disrupt the story, gave her the opportunity to take a step back and realize what she was doing. So oftentimes we have to scratch that record so we could notice and observe what we're actually doing. And then the last one is T. The last letter in NEST is T, which is tender, loving care. I feel that a lot of the loneliness and isolation that we feel today, especially during COVID, is not because we're isolated from each other. I believe we've become isolated and disconnected from the Creator, our God of our own understanding, but also from ourselves, our true divine selves. Many of us have abandoned ourselves emotionally, spiritually, um, physically. And I think with COVID, it's an opportunity to really take the time and reconnect with our true selves. Well, so that's you, Nest.
1: That's Nest in a summary. Don't you think kind of um, with, with, with COVID, it gives us the opportunity, not necessarily to look inward, but to pull inward. Because here we are, a society that's, that's usually the majority out in public, driving around, doing these things, whatever it is, and all of a sudden they say, you got to stop. Mm-hmm. So now your world has completely changed from what it was. How can you suggest to someone who has pulled inward to use this as a benefit to look inward and heal?
3: So one of the things I discovered quite by accident, as I laid on my healing table the healer's table week after week, I would close my eyes and she would work on me anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes. So I had nothing to do. And as I laid there on the table, and I'm actually I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. So Ray and Ellen, close your eyes. And if it's safe for your listeners to do the same thing, I invite you you to close your eyes and play along. So as I laid on my healer's table, I would picture someone that I loved. It could be my husband or my children or my dog that thinks he's a cat and makes me laugh. And I would think back to a memory and not only would I see it, but I would feel it in every cell of my body. What was I hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling? And I would let that feeling of love literally move through my entire body and be absorbed by every cell of my body. But then I would bring in another image or memory. I would think of the, the beautiful sunset that I saw that day, or maybe the first time I ever saw a sunset, or the fir- first snowfall that I ever saw, or the first time I held my children in my hands, mm. or the first time I ever kissed my husband. And again, I would just feel all of those sensations. And then I would bring in another image or memory. And my, my mentor, Dr. Sue Mortar, said that, you can then put your hand on your heart and multiply that feeling or that sensation of love 10 times 15 times more and then say this love is for me this love is me and then i invite you to open your eyes but we just did that in about a minute and we it's not dependent on anyone or anything we could elicit or generate that feeling of love in any moment and you said, how can we heal ourselves? So many of us feel unlovable, but we can generate love for ourselves in any moment. So I invite people to do that.
2: It seems like it's really important for people to have that love for themselves. I mean, I, you know, this has been a theme that's been happening in a lot of the shows lately. Don't mm. you think, Ray? Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's um, hard to come by for a lot of people.
3: Mm-hmm. And Ellen, I, you know, I just would love to share another story from the book that kind of elaborates on what Ellen was saying. You know, for so much of my life, I felt different. I felt unworthy. I felt I didn't belong. So, of course, I felt like that. So what did I do? I attracted a man into my life that was totally different, racially, culturally, socially, spiritually, everything. He was different. And I never let his family totally into my heart because I thought they wouldn't love me. I thought they would judge me. So, because my heart was continually open week after week, I had a most amazing experience when his mother passed away. I'm not a medium, but in my grieving, I actually was communicating with her. And when she came to visit me, she showed me every interaction that I had with my husband's family, and it literally went by in seconds. And as I mentioned in the beginning, much of my experience sounds like a near-death experience. I saw my whole life with my husband in review and what i learned from that experience was because i felt different i made myself different because our outer world is just a reflection of our inner world so by understanding that i was making myself different and feeling different i started to be able to let go of that so part of it is just the understanding and the recognition Um, so that's actually one of the greatest gifts that she gave to me and it was actually in her passing not in her lifetime so i say love is never too late even in death
1: now, do you, do you help people through this now? Like so,
3: so I am a coach, um, but much, mm-hmm. of my, much of my time is actually focused on just spreading the word of the book because the book just recently came out. <laughs> so in 2021, I'll be doing more coaching, especially live when we're not as isolated.
1: Now, so you don't do anything over Zoom or anything like that?
3: Only uh, once in a while, but not as often yeah. again, because I've been focusing on the book
1: Uh uh-huh and how long you do this is very yeah this is very good i like it a lot and and
3: thank you that's kind of you
1: it's not it's not going to uh fully connect with me until probably about 20 minutes after the show because usually that's when i always go bing okay you know um but it's it's always awesome to have someone come on and give their perspective of um what it is to be human, what it is to be alive, what it is to be able to love—if—if if we're even doing that properly, mm-hmm. or if I'm even doing that properly—and um, it always makes me uh, reflect back and think. Um, and jokingly, the the knucklehead inside me goes, "Yeah, see, I told you it was always my mother's fault." But you know, that's just not—that's just <laughs> and not she's listening, way. Ray. Come on yeah, now. She, I know that's why I said it, but um. <laughs> I, I, I know that that's not the case. Um you know right? I
3: <laughs> I have two children and yeah. I always ask them why is it always the mother's fault?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always. Well, Cuz my dad's not here right now. So I mean I could always she's still with us. So but um it's you know it's it's always we we've heard a different array from different people about different you know different walks of life and and everything that they're into, and it's it's always great to be on a show, and hear something that is totally withstanding of addiction, quote unquote, addiction and recovery, and it still wraps it all into it. Mm-hmm. It's still, our audience is relating uh, to what you're sharing because I am, and and I'm coming from that 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 addict's perspective. And, and I'm getting an understanding of other things in my life that there's things that I probably still need to look at and work on mm-hmm. you know and and that that's always uh, um, one scary but two uh, oh shall I say apprehensive and two um welcoming because I want to be a better person than I was yesterday mm-hmm. you know and I'm, and I'm grateful that people like you come on and 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 share um different avenues to be able to do that. Well, thank you. Yeah.
3: There are um, two other stories that I would love to share with you um, just because I think they're so important during these times.
1: Okay. Well, why don't, why don't we go to break early so that that way it, um, I'm not cutting you off halfway through your first story. And um, so, yeah, Dial 866 472 5792. That's 866 472 5792 with your questions or comments when Judy, Ellen, and I return on the Miracles and Recovery Radio Show.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: Can you truly expand your possibilities beyond what your normal capabilities are? It's very possible when you can know more, do more, and be more. Tune in each week to Shift Happens with host Karin Weary and co-host Ida Serena Lee. The world is waiting for you to show off your unique gifts. It starts with healing yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Once the scars of our past are gone, we can truly begin to shine. Listen Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry
0: can safely and effectively treat most health problems. listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now back to this week's show.
1: And we're back. So so with, with all of this, talk about the book and everything like that, ultimately, who is the book for? Is it for everyone or is it just for um, people who?
3: So that's a great question, Ray. You know, in the beginning I said um, I always felt different, incomplete, and even unworthy. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really for those individuals who felt like that. And I know that many people do feel that way. But it's also for people to learn how to forego or to let go of the stories that no longer serve them. So, if you're looking to let go of stories and move on and experience ultimate freedom and joy, it's a great book
1: to pick so, up. So, it's why a really good
2: book. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. I, Can I, I can't you. wait
1: till the audio <laughs> version comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I got to put this disclaimer in there. I, I I have a very low attention span when it comes to reading. I read half a page and I go like, what? Well, huh? But if I'm driving and I'm listening to a book, I can, I can, I, I'm, I'm, um, I guess operational, not, not administrative. So when something's coming into me mm-hmm. that's being told, I have no problem sucking it in and being able to put it back out again. But to, to read something and have to um, understand what it was, I have to read it like seven, eight times, and then I'm like, I, I, I get frustrated. So I apologize for not reading the book, but I'll be the first one to listen to your audio tape. Oh,
2: yeah, we you. were talking to Judy during one of the breaks, and she is going to be doing an mm. audible version, right?
3: Yes, and I, I was telling Ellen that I never realized how difficult it is to actually read a book. I read 10 minutes and made seven mistakes. So. Was <laughs> let,
1: let, let's talk a little bit about the book and, and even that portion of it. How long did it take you to write the book?
3: So, it was probably about two years. I was oh. also working full-time as a finance geek, so I was doing both.
1: Oh, so, and how did you do it? Did you physically write, or did you?
3: Because right, we, so,
1: we have a friend of ours who speaks into his cell phone, mm-hmm. and then has it, then has it uh, like a dictator, um, write it all out.
3: That sounds like a great idea. I actually literally wrote it everywhere. I could possibly find a piece of paper and that was probably not a good thing. It was very disorganized, but that's how my brain was working at the time. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a friend who's a writer and she told me to take all of those notes S- similar, send it into a transcription service, and they actually were able to type everything up. But everything wasn't organized. So a huge part of the book process was actually organizing all those thoughts into right. something that logically made sense. So for people who write more, you know, more consistently, um, I give them a lot of credit.
1: Now, now, what drove you to to do that? Because that's a that's a huge undertaking. Like it for me, like I say, I can't even read a book. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I mean, never mind venture into writing one. I mean, I, I probab- probably have a story that could be published. Mm-hmm. but I,
3: th- I think we all have a story exactly. that, that people need to hear.
1: Exactly.
3: And And the reason I wrote the book is because, as I mentioned before we went on break, I wanted to be able to share two other stories if we have time. And the mm-hmm. reason I wanted to share it was because even though there's some very practical aspects of the book that you can implement in your life, there's also a lot of hope for people. There was a lot of hope for me. Um, So, for example, you know, because my heart was opening, I do believe it allowed in more miracles to enter my life. And as I was healing after my surgery, I refused to take painkillers. You know, I'd heard so many, so many things about people becoming addicted to Mm painkillers, and I just didn't go there.
1: (laughs)
2: Definitely
3: good for you. So I just literally laid there on my bed after my surgery, and I was in a lot of pain. Every sneeze, every movement literally Mm. felt like an electric shock shooting through my abdomen. And as I laid there, this Irish guide would just gently drift in and out of my awareness. And I know it sounds a little unusual, a little uncommon, but the message that she told me is that we're never alone, never abandoned. If we knew who stood beside us in any moment, we would never be afraid. And I believe, you know, Ray and Ellen, if you knew that, would you live your life differently?
2: Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I think, yeah. I think many of us would. And many of us are literally playing small. Many of us are afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, we stay in our own space, the safe space. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was writing a blog one month. And as I was writing it, I realized that I lived my entire life from a state of fear. I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid of being different. I was afraid of not being enough. And I realized that when I let go of that fear, all that's left is love. I believe there's only two emotions, fear and love. So when I let go of that fear, there's only love.
1: I guess that makes sense, right? I mean. I, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to fight that in my brain um, openly by saying, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. It 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 does make sense, it, you know, fear fear and love, and if you're not living. Well, in- I
2: was going to throw in anger, but I think anger is the result of fear.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It stems from somewhere, right? Yeah, doesn't stem from love. Generally, fear. It's fear based. Yeah.
3: Fear-based. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the the last story that I just wanted to share with you briefly was um, my my healer offered to do a a hypnosis. She thought that. Um, If she put me under hypnosis we could get to the root of what was causing this pain and fear and as i was laying on her table i literally felt myself drifting first through this purple haze and then out into this bright white light and again i mentioned that much of my experience sounds like a near-death experience but i went into this overwhelming bright light and again i felt this overwhelming sense of love and i actually merged into this love and then the message that I got was, we could always come home. We could always come home by loving and accepting ourselves exactly as we are. That the joy is in the reunion and the remembrance of who we are. And I think it's such a such an important message because so many of us do judge ourselves. We don't love ourselves exactly as we are. We always think that we're not enough. We're not perfect.
1: Hmm. That is true. No, how, how long did you... Um do this with your healer like you
3: so for nine months so after the hysterectomy and then we continued to work together until all of this literally
1: unfolded now do you are you still in contact today
3: so um we send each other an occasional email but that's about it we both agreed that this healing journey is now done and it's important for Uh both of us to go our own paths and have our own journeys
1: so she's out there helping someone else
3: helping many many people
1: Oh wow. You know, that's that, the you know the, the the um the special souls that are out there to um help intercede and help uh put things all in a row. Um I'm grateful for because I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't be who I am today and, and ultimately have the ability to be able to listen and be able to hear what's being said and welcome change if there weren't people put in my path who were quote unquote healers as well when i came out of my fog 30 years ago Mm -hmm. you know a different type of healer you know it was uh it was more of a uh um a sponsor is what they're called but you know um it's technically a healer at that point because he showed me how to live my life um without without the use I want for drugs and alcohol and then ultimately you know you start finding your own way and and taking what was given you and and um finding a new way to live mm-hmm. and and I think people like that I I, I try to um have a sympathetic ear and, and and I think I do but I try to have a sympathetic ear I don't have it with my family but I do have it with people from outside. <laughs> You know. Oh, you
2: definitely do. He's got that combination of kindness and toughness that that a lot of people need. man. a lot of people, especially addicts, and he he'll take them all in and try to help them.
3: And then Ray and Ellen also, your your healers, just you're your show and your podcast, your healing. Yeah, it.
1: you know that's that's one thing that we've always Ellen and I have always said. You know, if 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 one person this week gets something from the show then then it was a successful show there could there could be fifteen thousand people listening right now, but if one individual got something from it, it's a successful show you know because the seed was planted in someone's in someone's uh mind, and what they do with it hopefully betters them, betters their family, and betters the world that we live in. I mean, we know the world we live in all we have to do is turn on the t v again and and see the chaos that's going on around us mm-hmm. and um if more people sat back and were able to feel the love instead of fear then we would be in a better place
3: mm-hmm. and yeah. then you know ray before what i was saying was you know oftentimes i feel like a tightness in my chest like an elephant is sitting on my chest mm-hmm. and ellen you said sometimes you mm-hmm. feel that way as Definitely.
2: well that's where i feel it
3: So whenever I feel a contraction in my body now, I actually say thank you. And I say thank you because my body is telling me that it's now time to heal and let something go. So all the contraction that we feel in the world and all the decisiveness, I really believe it's the universe's way that it's now time to heal our relationships with each other and it's now time to heal the
1: planet. So I
3: think it's just on a more universal um, grander scale.
1: Well, and and who am I to argue with that? I mean, it it's it's it sounds, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that everyone and anyone who is listening to the show will definitely take something out of it. it. This has been a this has been a great hour, you know. It really has. <clears throat> Usually, this is around the time where I say we didn't speak to you enough, and we need you to come back again, um, because we're get, because we're getting to two minutes, and and there isn't a whole bunch of stuff that we've covered. I mean, I'd love to maybe see if we can't get you on the show again sometime down the road, just to say hi and see what we've worked on ourselves. And um, maybe thank you for for coming on and and opening up things within us.
3: Oh, I would love to. Um, Ray and Ellen, you've both been a pleasure to speak with.
1: Mm. So we've been- This
2: has been a wonderful hour. Thank you for writing your book. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, no. I, yeah. Thank you.
1: So we've been speaking with Judy, Judy Miller, the author of Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. And before we leave, Judy, can you share with your, our audience, once again, how they can get in touch with you? Sure. So Judy,
3: J-U-D-I, Miller, dot net, and it has all my social media handles there, my email, as well as my blog and my book.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And this is right around the time we say with miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Good night, everyone. Good night.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for miracles in recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host Ray Lynch on the Voice America health and wellness channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.